Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman, here today with our guest in Danny Manning, uh, former NBA player, former NCA head coach with the uh, Wake Forest Demon Deacons, uh, Tulsa Drillers. Am I correct on that one? Hurricane. Hurricane. Oh, Hurricane. The, I think the Drillers are the, are the, uh, the hockey team. Baseball the, team. The baseball I think team. they might be the baseball team, yeah. Okay, okay. So Tulsa, Wake Forest, um, Danny, I could go down the list of all the different things that you've accomplished uh, across your career, uh, but we're looking forward to, to getting some of your insights and advice from not only playing on the court, but the things that you learned off the court and, and you know, as a head coach and, uh, you know, mentoring and, and coaching student athletes along the way, uh, we know that you've got uh, two, two of your own, so uh, I'm sure there's been a few lessons tossed back and forth, I'd imagine. Uh, nonetheless, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to visiting with you today. So let's let's go back to your days at Kansas. Uh, we'll start there. Did you at any point in time know like, hey, I'm, I'm going to play in the NBA for 14 plus years and then uh, I'm going to go be a college basketball coach too? I had no idea when I was in college what my future held outside of wanting to play professional basketball. That was my goal. That was what I was aspiring to do. My father played professional basketball. He played in the ABA and NBA. And it took me a while to get to that mindset, to be honest with you, because in high school, I probably, that's when I probably started thinking about, wow, I can go to college. I can go to college for free on a scholarship. And then once I got to, to college, I thought, well, I'll have a chance to play professional basketball as I continue to move on through my four years. And so once I got to the NBA, um, I was very fortunate, grateful. It was a wonderful experience. And the longer I played or in the NBA, um, my role changed drastically. You know, I came in, went from a starter uh, for early part of my career to a six-man to basically a mentor towards the end of my career. And so that's really when I started to get into the, the coaching aspect of it. Um, that was my role. You know, I was the older, the elder statesman, if you will, on the, on the team. I was a veteran and I was just supposed to pull the young guys aside and tell them what I'm seeing from my bench seat. Hey, this is how they're guarding the pick and roll. This is what they're doing in the post. When we're in transition, this is how they're trying to, to cover us and, and, and make different coverage reach for these guys, just sharing my information. And then I got the wonderful opportunity of coaching my kids' teams in the summers, whether it was baseball or softball and, of course, basketball. And, and it just kind of grew and morphed from there. It's almost in the sense the same as a contributor to a leader, right, in the, in the, in the business setting, right? So there's many, many, many contributors, supporters uh, on teams across the business and the front offices. And then you've got your leaders at the top, right, that are coaching, they're leading, and so for you, what was that transition like going from being, you know, the one who had to score those buckets all the time, uh, and if not every time, right, to, you know, helping those along the way do that, lead them, even though to some extent you're, you're the same level as them, right, and then going into that coaching position where now you're trying to lead um, individuals to, to do ultimately uh, what you're hoping to, to teach them to do. Well, for me, it was kind of uh, father time is undefeated in any type of sports. And, and the longer you play, the, the slower you get towards the end, the majority of the time. There are a few exceptions or a few outliers. And in the business piece, it's 
it's still experience. You know, the more hats that you're able to wear helps you as you continue to climb and, and, and move up that, that leadership ladder. And, and for me, being able to wear different hats and have different roles on my teams professionally helped prepare me to step into the coaching realm. But once I got into the coaching realm, I go all the way back down to the bottom rung again, and you got to work your way back up. And so for me, when I retired from the NBA, I got a chance to go back to Kansas and work for Bill Self, great coach, Hall of Fame coach, national champion coach. And the role that I took on at that point in time was at the bottom of the rung. And I did that for a lot of different reasons. One, I wanted to spend a little bit more time with my family, and I knew I would not have that opportunity as a coach. And two, I needed to learn. I needed to figure out what this business was all about. And so for me, I was director of student athlete development backslash team manager. So I got a chance to see how coach built his program from the ground up. And then I go back and I'm able to reflect upon all the different times and moments that my father shared with me when he was coaching with Larry Brown at Kansas and, and professionally and all the different coaches that I've come across. And I realized how fortunate, blessed, and grateful I should be from all those experiences and lessons because all those coaches helped prepare me in regards to my philosophy on coaching and leadership. And you talk about that philosophy on coaching and leadership. What's the one biggest lesson that you learned as a player that you've been able to instill into that philosophy? The biggest lesson I learned as a player is every day you've got to come out and, and do what you can do the best you can because you're not going to feel 100% every day. As a professional athlete, you're walking into the gym, you're getting ready to play a game, and you're wondering, like, how am I going to get up and down this court? My body's killing me. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling mentally with everything that's going on because of so many things that are coming at you. And then once you get into your, your zone, once you find that focus spot, it just kind of happens because that's what you want to do. The love is there. Um, the attention to detail becomes a little bit more clear for you when you're out there doing something that you love to do. And so for me, that was probably the biggest thing is every day I'm going to do the best I can possibly do and be the best that I can be. And some days it's going to be great. Some days it's not going to be so good, but I got to continue to take steps forward. Yeah. It's like that Wednesday when you need that extra two cups of coffee in the morning just to get going, right? Yes, absolutely. So as you think about, you know, kind of the, the learnings, right? Starting from the bottom with, with Coach Self at Kansas and continuing to kind of move up and, and understand the coaching ranks. How did that help you, once you got to that head coaching position, fill the coaches beneath you to make you and your team the best team possible? Well, for me, I think empathy was the kind of the word that I just kind of centered everything around. I wanted to be able to put myself in everyone's shoes when I was a head coach from the player to the manager to the trainers and, and just try to get their feel and, and try to understand where they're coming from. And I think that was probably the biggest thing for me. And then also understanding that I needed to, growing up, I was a very reserved person in terms of showing my, my emotions. And the longer that I'm in coaching, the more I understand I need to let my team know. I need to let the people around me know that I care for them, that I love them, that I understand the situation that they're in. And, and that's probably been the biggest curveball for me because, you know, when I'm growing up, it's, you know, you never let them see you cry. You know, you wear your emotions on your shoulder and you, 
stick your chest out and you fight through it. And, and you still continue to do those things, but understanding that the voice of letting someone know, hey, I know this is a tough situation that you're in, but we'll get through this together. Or, you know what? I'm disappointed in you for making that decision, but I love you still. Being able to share that with uh, my team was something that I think has really helped me out in the last couple of years. As you think about, you know, the kind of transition from one coaching, you know, at Tulsa to Wake Forest, right? You're going from kind of other five to, you know, ACC. I mean, that's, that's a different world, right? And as you think about the differences going from Kansas to the NBA, what were some of the similarities and differences in terms of those, those two transitions going from one level to the next? Well, transitioning from college basketball to professional basketball is, is a huge jump. It's a huge jump across the board, athletically, mentally, um, because, you know, at that point in time, I'm a 21-year-old kid. And for me, I, I got drafted by the L.A. Clippers. So I go from Kansas to L.A. Drastic difference. And then once I get out there, um, I'm scared to death of L.A. from the standpoint of I've, this is a, a booming city. A lot of the things are going on. And um, I was I was nervous. There was some anxiety moving out there. And then once I got there and I got comfortable in my environment, I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite cities. But it's a huge jump. It's a huge jump to go from a college kid with not any money in your pocket to a professional kid with money in your pocket. And now, like, okay, I got I need to get a house. I need to get a car. We need to make sure we have our insurance taken care of. And all those types of things that are coming at you that um, – can, can be nerve wracking at times, but I was very fortunate and blessed to have a father that went through it and was a good, great mentor for me and then different friends. And then of course, my, my, my wife was there helping me every step of the way. So th that was probably the biggest adjustment for me was off the court. On the court, ball is still ball. Obviously there's a huge talent jump. Um, you realize that everyone in the NBA is really talented and very good and everyone accepts roles. And the roles that you accept might not be matching with your talent because the majority of the time, the guys are, when you accept a role on the team, you're capable of doing much more than that role, but that's what that team needs you to do. And so understanding that this is what I need to do to fulfill my role on this team. And then there'll be times in practice and maybe even some games when I get a chance to step outside of the box and show people I'm capable a little bit more, but you have to be prepared for that opportunity. Let's talk a little bit about that because that's a it's a really interesting point that you made, right? In a sense, it's probably the same in the coaching world. There's probably many, many coaches such as yourself when you first started. You were probably capable of being a head coach to some extent, um, but you took kind of your role and then you got another role and you got another role and and everyone's working together as a team, right? Um, taking all the strengths and putting them together. But from the front office perspective or or even the coaching world, um, what are some of the lessons you learned from accepting those roles and then flourishing in that role to then use the people around you to make you better and then make them better? Well, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is you have to work with or for someone that you trust, you know, because there's going to be a lot of blind trust going into situations. Um, the head of the team, the, the head coach or whatever CEO, this is the direction I want to go. And then sometimes it's not clear to a lot of people. Or sometimes you might not see it the way that they see it. 
but you got to have blind trust and faith in them knowing that they're putting us in our best situation possible for us to move forward. And a lot of times it's hard for people to, to have blind faith, have blind trust in what's happening in the future when somebody else is making decisions for you. But that's when you lean back on the person that I'm working for. I'm around him or her every day. I know what they stand for. I know how they carry themselves. And I understand that this is the way it needs to be done. And so from that point forward, it's easy. It was easy for me, especially working for Bill Self, to say, hey, I've got a lot. I have all the blind faith and trust in the world in you because I feel that you're going to lead us where we need to go and help me become a better person. And so that's probably the biggest thing is making sure that you have a great feel for the leadership and being comfortable in following them. You talked about family earlier in, in the episode of, you know, you took that, that role under Coach Self because you knew you were going to be able to spend a little bit more time with family. And if, if the COVID crisis has taught you anything, right, it's you, you, you need to be close to family, right? Family is always first, um, or at least it is in my mind, right? And you, as you think about um, your, your son and daughter kind of being student athletes and learning from them, them learning from you, and being able to spend that time with family right now, you know, I know we were talking about uh, you not having a schedule, right? And, and just the freedom that that has probably mentally and physically to just reflect and be able to learn and, and um, take things, you know, through a different lens. What have you learned from, from that perspective and uh, anything that the, that the student athletes you've got um, that have taught you? Well, you know, family is very important. And every team that I've ever been upon are on, um, especially in the college ranks, there's always a sense of family. Um, and, you know, to me, I would tell my teams, like, family, the definition of family to me is forget about me, I love you. And now I reflect back on being a parent, and that's what parents do. It's, they don't, they're not worried about themselves. They're worried about trying to make it a little bit better or better or as best as possible for their children. And that's just the mindset that I try to share uh, with my teams and being able to say, I love you to the people on my team, the people in our group, just so they know that the care is there and the care is genuine. And that's probably the biggest thing um, that I've learned um, in terms of what I need to get better at and what I need to learn to do at, at a higher level is just sharing that love. Hey, I love you. Have a great day. And it just try to make it become second nature because a lot of times there's a lot of questions in, in teenagers' minds when they step on a college campus. They have a lot of different things that are going on. And also the, 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 the important thing for me is when letting the parents of our kids know that I have their back, that I'm going to look out for them like they are my own child. That's something that I really try to stress to the parents of the players that, that I coach. And then for me, um, I was fortunate for three or four years to have my son on my staff at, at Wake Forest. And that was a tremendous um, benefit for me because obviously he's someone that I love and that I care, but he is also able to see things from a different light because of his age. And, you know, he just finished playing college basketball. And so some of the things that I was doing, he would come to dad. That's, that's old school dad. We got to do something a little bit different, you know? And, and so that really helped me out a lot. And, and my daughter as well. I mean, she's had a chance to do a lot of different travels. She was with USA basketball for a while and was able to bounce different ideas off of me and, and share different things with me that she saw through her experiences. And so my kids have been really beneficial to me 
um, throughout my career, just because they, they, they see it in a different light and it gives you a little bit more empathy to, to what someone else is going through. Yeah. That, that quote of being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, it's not easy. Right. And, and to even on the court, right. Putting yourself in the other player's shoes or, um, you know, the, the opponent's shoes, right. And trying to understand mentally, um, how to go about that. Super interesting. So as you think about, uh, the coaches that you've coached, look, you talk about Bill Self, right. And the coaching trees and, you know, the coach K's of the world, they all have their coaching trees. Uh, how have you learned from someone like Bill Self to where, uh, there's, there's certain principles, right. That he either goes by or the John Woodens of the world that they kind of all guide themselves by. Is there something specific or special about those guys that has allowed them to have the success that they've had? Well, first of all, they're tremendous leaders. Obviously, they're great coaches of the sport, but they're also leaders of, you know, the people I've come across of young men. And so, you know, for me, I look back on it and I have three mentors that really stand out to me. One is my father who played professional basketball, like I mentioned earlier, um, was a college coach, was an NBA scout, an NBA assistant coach, and um, he's recent, he passed away. But he's always somebody that, that kind of set the tone for me as a mentor of being a part of a team. These are, you're going to have to accept roles that you might not want to accept, but this is what you're going to have to do to make the sacrifice to be a part of a team. And then I get to college and I play for one of the greatest coaches ever in Larry Brown who's won an NBA championship and a college championship. And he's done, he did so much, not only for me, but for everyone in our program and on our team. But the bottom, the bottom line for Coach Brown was he made me a better person. He made me a better player. And, you know, then I get to transition to, to, to spend nine years working for, for Bill Self. And he just carries that over um, in terms of he, he makes sure all of his guys care for him. They understand that he cares for him. I'm going to coach you hard. I'm going to push you hard. And I want you to be the best that you can possibly be. And so those three guys have always taught me that if somebody's ceiling is here, it's your job to get them as close to the ceiling as possible. And sometimes it's not going to be comfortable. Sometimes there's going to be some, some days when they're going to be upset with you. No different than your children. You know, you might have to discipline your child and you might have to say something to your child. And it doesn't mean that you don't love them. It means that you do love them and you're trying to help them reach their maximum potential. So for me, trying to share that message um, with the players that I coach is at times it's challenging because it's like, hey, I'm disappointed in this, that you made this decision. I still love you, but we've got to work through this. And when we get in this situation again, we've got to make better decisions. Yeah, that player development aspect of things is truly, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's truly personal development, right? Like there's a lot of personal development that goes into any player development, professional development, whatever it might be. Um, as you think about the personal development, what's the most important aspect for you? I know you mentioned trust earlier, but the most important aspect of personal development. I think the biggest aspect of personal development for someone to gather and understand is I can always get better. No matter where I'm at in life. Um, you know, that's one of my tasks as I'm in the role that I'm in now, I don't have a job now, but I still got to figure out different ways to get better each and every day, whether I'm reading something or I'm trying to take a bigger, broad picture, look at this program and see how this coach does it. But getting players to understand 
I can get better. And a lot of times that's hard because that means you have to, to a certain extent, admit you have some weaknesses and things that you need to improve upon. And I'm not saying a weakness where it's a detriment or something negative, but you might do something a little bit better and you want to pick up different areas. And so getting a, a teenager to say, yeah, I got to get better at dribbling the basketball or I got to become a better shooter. Sometimes it's hard because the, the bravado that you have as, a, as an athlete is it doesn't matter who I'm playing up against. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to win. I'm going to find a way to be competitive. And, and you need that. But you also have to have that reality piece of saying, wow, if I could do this a little bit better, it will present more options for me out there on the court and I, I can become more versatile. And so understanding that improvement equals versatility in sports in most times. And it's also just understanding what, what is better, right? Um, you want to get better, but, but what does better mean? Better means something different probably to each individual, right? Yeah, better does mean something different to each individual. And, you know, a lot of times it's, goes back to the personal relationship and development piece of, of talking and, and what, do you, what do you want? How good do you want to be? You know, are we still going to be on the same page a year from now like we were when you walked in the door and you told me that I want to be the best player that I can possibly be? So I'm in practice and I'm trying to hold you to that standard and then if the standard has changed, you got to let me know. <laughs> and we got to let everybody else know around us because, you know, when we walked into this deal, this was kind of the verbal agreement that we had. And so understanding that the communication piece with that development is also important. No, that's great. All right, let's throw some rapid fire at you to, to wrap up the episode. I'm sure uh, this won't be too hard, but um, we'll start off with, you're obviously number one pick. What was the hardest part about being the number one pick? The hardest part about being the number one pick was probably the amount of attention that you receive. You know, I, I was fortunate and blessed. I'm very thankful for that experience. I'm very thankful to be selected number one. But when you go number one or you go with a high draft pick, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different energies that come with that. You know, you've got to step into the scene one and you've got to navigate, okay, I need to show people I belong, that I can play at this level and I can help contribute. And, and then you also realize that it's a business and everyone on this team wants our team to do well, but everyone also wants to have some type of individual success so they can get paid. And so understanding how you navigate those two, that, that's challenging for a young person when you walk into the door and you're, you're someone that the team needs you to, to have some type of impact right away. And so for me, the hardest part was going out on the court and playing to the level that I needed to play at, trying to figure out the league, and then also navigating the off the court piece of I'm a 21 year old young man and I've got men on my team with kids that are getting are probably closer to my age you know, understanding that dynamic as well. And so for me, it was really interesting to try to, to get to know my teammates and figure out what makes them tick and what they want to accomplish. All right, let's take it to the coaching side. Hardest part of being a head coach? Hardest part of being a head coach, it's lonely. Just to be honest with you, it's, you know, all head coaches, it's kind of, it's a lonely existence. You can have people on your staff that have been in those shoes before. There's a little bit more empathy there. 
but you're making decisions based upon what you feel is best for your program and the individuals in your program. But you got a lot of different ideas coming at you. You know, this coach might say, hey, let's do it this way. This coach might say, hey, let's do it this way. You got another coach that says, hey, when I was there as a head coach, I did it this way. And then you're looking at your schedule and going, okay, what's going to give us the best chance to be successful over the long haul and, and making those decisions. So the hardest part about being a head coach is it's, it's lonely because each program only has one head coach. Just, just the same as a GM, a president, uh, any other organization, right? AD, et cetera. There's only one. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, being a professional athlete, you, you, you've got the skills, uh, you've got the height, you've got, abilities. Uh, what other sport would you have played if it wasn't basketball? <laughs> well, growing up, I, baseball was probably my first love, to be honest with you. I mean, the t-ball and you go all the way up. And The older I got, the worse I became at baseball. <laughs> and so, uh, but you know what, growing up for me, I, I grew up in an era where whatever season was going on professionally, that's kind of what you played in your neighborhood. So when it's football season, we're out, we're playing tag football or tackle football. Basketball season, you play basketball. Baseball season, you play baseball. Those were the three big sports for me growing up. And then soccer kind of crept in a little bit um, for me, but that was more of a, a game that I would play just to be around friends because it wasn't one of my favorite sports. Best teammate you ever played with? Best teammate I ever played with, I've been very fortunate. I played with some great teammates, but I would probably say the professional teammate that I played with the most was Ron Harper in the NBA. And we went through some similar um, adversities with ACL injuries and rehabbing and coming back and playing for the Clippers. All right, let's talk about the ACL piece. Uh, I've had knee surgery myself. Uh, not the ACL, but patella tendon. Um, hardest part about the rehab process with ACL. The hardest part about the rehab process for the ACL for me was I went through it three times throughout my professional career. And so my rookie year, I played 20 something games and, and I tear my right ACL. And at that time it's considered career threatening. And so at that point in time, the element of the unknown was probably the most frustrating piece of the pie to be honest with you. I worked, I was gonna work hard. I knew I'd try to put myself in the best situation possible moving forward, but there was still the unknown of how, you know, at that point in time, Bernard King was in the midst of his comeback from an ACL injury, pulled a lot of inspiration from him. But for me, when I did it, it was career threatening. Then I did it the second time and it was like, okay, I've done this before, I know what I have to do. And then the third time was probably the easiest rehab for me because it's like, you've done it two times before, you understand what's in front of you, go knock it out. So the hardest part for me was going through it that very first time in the unknown of, you know, seeing in doctor's offices and, and hearing some doctors say, well, you know, coming back from this injury, not, not, not that likely, you know, are you prepared to do something else? And at that point in time in my life, I was not, had some great doctors, Stephen Lombardo from Curlin and Job out in LA, master therapist, Clive Brewster, Johnny Doyle and personal trainer, Carl Horn were guys that, help push me mentally and physically to get back to that level that I wanted to get to. So very thankful for that. All right. Last two questions for you. Uh, you've obviously played with many coaches, coached with many coaches. Is there one that you haven't played for and or coached with that you would want to? 
you know, there are a lot of great coaches out there that I had a chance to to sit back and watch and 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 see from afar. Um, and so for me, I would probably say John McClendon. John McClendon was a was a a, a coach that. I learned about when I got to Kansas, who who helped integrate fast break into the game of basketball, and um, we have some some similar ties to to the University of Kansas and the city of Lawrence, Kansas. So he would probably be someone I like to spend some time with. There are other coaches too, but um, a lot of those other coaches that I admire, I had friends that played for them, so I could you know kind of ask some questions and kind of figure out, hey, Hart, what what was it like? When, when Phil Jackson was your coach and he's talking about the Zen methods or, you know, he's sharing different books for you to read, things of that nature. So, you know, for me, I've been very fortunate with the relationships that I have to ask a lot of my friends about certain coaches, but John McClendon would probably be the one coach. And then of course, um, Dr. James Naismith, the inventor of the game of basketball, that would also be very interesting conversation. Gotta, gotta love Springfield, Massachusetts, right? That's right, yes. All right, last question for you. Speaking of locations, um, you know, you mentioned LA earlier in the episode. Uh, you're, you, your heart lives in Kansas. Um, best place you've ever lived? Best place I've ever lived? Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona. And, and that's the whole ball for me because my kids were born in California, but they started school in Phoenix. So they started developing their personalities and developing relationships. And my wife had a great friendship with different people in that area. So Phoenix for us was a great spot. The Valley of the Sun. Gotta love yes. it. Yes. Right. Well, Danny, appreciate the insights, the advice, the thoughts, the perspectives. Um, really enjoyed, you know, hearing about your path, your journey, and some of the lessons learned along the way. So thanks for your time. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day.